Uhuru, welcome to the People's War Radio Show. I'm Dr. Matsumela Odom. And I'm Dexter Mlawingu. Uhuru means freedom in Swahili, and freedom is on our minds 24-7. Today on the People's War Radio Show, we're celebrating the birthday of Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Every week, the People's War Radio Show brings you an African internationalist perspective of world issues. African internationalism the theory of the African working class has its origins in the ideology and practices of Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Marcus Garvey organized one of the most important anti-colonial African organizations in history. Garvey's revolutionary journal, The Negro World, had a weekly circulation of at least 200,000 copies. Despite being banned in many colonies, African sailors, stevedores, and longshoremen help get the Negro world directly to the people. In some instances, African children would meet the workers at the docks, remember the articles verbatim, and then run and relay the articles to the journalists who would reprint these articles. The Negro world was translated into French, Spanish, and even Arabic. Marcus Garvey was a black nationalist and African fundamentalist. He was born on August 17, 1887, to an African working-class family in St. Anne's Bay, Jamaica. Garvey was the youngest of 11 children. His father, Malchus Garvey, was a stonemason, and his mother, Sarah Ann Richards, was a domestic laborer. As a child, Marcus Garvey experienced a degradation of colonial capitalism. Nine of his siblings and his father died by the time he was 12 years old. At age 14, Garvey began to work to provide for his family. His early years as a laborer took Garvey throughout the colonial world. Garvey lived throughout the Caribbean, Central America, and Panama, the United States, and England. Garvey worked on everything from banana plantations to printing presses. Garvey understood the power in Africans reclaiming control of the historical narrative and embraced the African revolutionary tradition. He descended from the Maroons of Jamaica. He studied about the revolts of African workers in the Caribbean and upheld the legacies of African patriots such as Samuel Sharp and Paul Bogle. Garvey wrote, For many years, white propagandists have been printing tons of literature to impress scattered Ethiopia, the dispersed African nation, especially that portion within their civilization, with the idea that African is a despised place inhabited by savages and cannibals, where no civilized human beings should go. But noted that we are about to see a return of the greatness of Black history in the rebuilding of Africa. Yes, a new civilization, a new culture shall spring up from among our people. Marcus Garvey organized the largest African revolutionary organization in history the Universal Negro Improvement Association, or the UNIA. The UNIA was formed in Jamaica in 1914 following Garvey's return to the country of his birth. Marcus Garvey brought the UNIA to the United States in 1916. Marcus Garvey was attacked by colonial powers and sold out by the African petty bourgeoisie, that's the black middle class. Garvey was slandered, falsely imprisoned, and deported. All of this led to his early death at the age of 52 on June 10, 1940, 
Nevertheless, the African working class has defended Marcus Mazai Garvey and upheld his legacy and political project. And we can see that legacy alive today in the African People's Socialist Party, the Uhuru Movement, and African internationalism. The African working class musical tradition has upheld Garvey. And this is most notable in the African genre of reggae, but also reflected in virtually every other genre of African music. On this episode of the People's War Radio Show, Dexter and I will discuss the legacy of Marcus Garvey and our place in it. We will share some of the music that has upheld Marcus Garvey, discuss his significance to political organization nowadays, and present excerpts from a speech given by Chairman Omalia Shatella on the continued significance of Marcus Garvey. In December 2020, Alikia Ngoma released Freedom in the Mix, an eight-track extended play album. Freedom in the Mix is an African internationalist album in its highest form. It blends a variety of African musical genres as well as the words of African freedom fighters such as Fannie Lou Hamer and Ella Baker. On one track called Liberate the Minds, Alikia also samples the words of Marcus Garvey. Let's take a listen real quick. Thank you. 
Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. Liberate the minds of men and ultimately you will liberate the bodies of men. And that was Leaky and Goma's Liberate the Minds, featuring Marcus Garvey from my 2020 album, Freedom in the Mix. Freedom in the Mix is a call for African cultural workers to join the African Revolution. Aliki is the writer and producer of our theme song, Colonial Virus. Dexter and I are organizers with the International People's Democratic Uhuru Movement, NPDM, a mass organization created in 1991 to bring the African working class back into political life. Last year, Dexter and I helped organize the Impedum Convention entitled 100 Years Later is Still Red, Black, and Green. The Impedum Convention that we organized commemorated the first international UNIA convention held at Madison Square Garden in New York City in August 1920. At that conference, with tens of thousands of people in attendance and thousands more on the streets, Garvey presented the Declaration of Rights of the Negro People of the World and adopted the red, black, and green African national flag. In his main presentation on the whole movement and continuation of the African Revolution since the days of Marcus Garvey, Chairman Omalia Shetela placed Impedum in historical context. The African People's Socialist Party, Impedum, the whole movement, and our ideology, African internationalism, is the outgrowth of dialectical and historical materialist engagement of the history of revolutionary struggle, Chairman O'Malley Eschatella noted. In this first clip, Chairman O'Malley Eschatella speaks to the party's relation to Garvey in terms of the need for African self-governance and even talks about Garvey's progressive stance on socialism. Let's take a listen. And perhaps uh, if I... Uh were to be more uh, selective and definitive, uh, I'd go to uh, 1981 at the first Congress of the African uh, People Socialist Party where the resolution was passed uh, to create uh, the African Socialist International uh, that formalized uh, this struggle that we've been involved in to complete this trek that Garvey started 100 years ago. And I think that's why it's really important. I think the question of Garvey 
and his leadership is extremely important uh, and to be talking about this a hundred years later, you know, to see that uh, even with uninformed uh, uh, African people, you are uh, apt to see the red, black, and green uh, when it's available to them or when uh, the red, black, and green, green is raised uh, in working class and other African communities, how, uh, uh, how thrilling it is uh, for African people, their 50 foot tall flagpole uh, that's been raised uh, by uh, NPDUM or the African People's Socialist Party uh, uh, at our Uhuru House in St. Louis with the 15 by 25 foot flag. Uh, that uh, was so threatening uh, that on one occasion, uh, on the 4th of July, the white people's uh, so-called celebration of uh, independence, on that day, uh, the flag was stolen undoubtedly by uh, uh, by imperialists, and we think probably the police force itself. And similarly, uh, something like that had happened in St. Petersburg, Florida, on a similar size uh, flag, on a similar, uh, 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 similarly uh, tall uh, uh, flagpole was uh, stolen. And we are convinced that by the police, by the occupying military force uh, in St. Petersburg, Florida. So the, the thing is that Garvey was, was incredibly, incredibly significant. And beyond that, we talk about a Garvey, about, about the red, black, about a hundred years later, still red, black, and green. And I wanna say that it's important to recognize that, uh, uh, that UNIA, the Garvey movement did not uh, commit suicide, that it was under assault by the United States government. The government assaulted it and then sectors of the African community, our own uh, uh, African population who hated the idea of, of being separate from uh, US white power, who hated the idea of, uh, of, of black people being in charge of our own affairs, uh, who uh, could not break the umbilical cord that uh, had been created through the rape of Africa uh, and, 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 and the, it wasn't stillborn, but the, the creature that had come as a consequence of that rape, the, that umbilical cord, the African petty bourgeoisie and middle class couldn't, couldn't abandon. And the reality of course is that uh, what was introduced into our lives and to our reality is uh, a, 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 an extraordinary class uh, contradiction, class cleavage uh, that was imposed on Africa and African people from the outside. Garvey and did not commit suicide. The UNIA did not commit suicide. An incredible revolutionary movement of African people around the world. It was something that was happening uh, all the time. We never stopped fighting. There's never been a moment in the history of black people where we did not resist. And when I say resist, I'm not talking about trying to find a better place, a nicer place, living on white people's plantation. Uh, there's never been a time where we were not inspired to burn the plantation to the ground, to liberate ourselves uh, from this relationship, to have our, our own and to build for ourselves. And of course, this has been characterized as nonsense and nonsensible and unreasonable and just something that was not attainable by uh, both the bourgeoisie, the colonizer, and then the, the African petty bourgeoisie, none of whom have any confidence in the ability of the African working class uh, to achieve anything. And that in many ways, because the African petty bourgeoisie has been the spokesperson, uh, has been the transmission belt uh, for the philosophy, the ideology of the white rulers, the colonizers, and because this is the person who we've had closest uh, relationship with, we've been convinced sometime by the African petty bourgeoisie uh, that we are incapable too. Because it's been the African uh, petty bourgeoisie or certainly those aspiring petty bourgeois forces who taught our children, taught us 
uh, uh, taught us to be ashamed of who we are, uh, taught us that uh, the, the great contest and this struggle between uh, Du Bois and those who were for the liberation uh, of our people uh, was something that should be seen favorable uh, through the lenses of uh, W.E.B. Du Bois. So the, the, the U.S. government uh, and other powerful governments, first of all, uh, worked together to crush the movement that was led by Garvey, Marcus Garvey. And uh, in crushing the movement by, led by Marcus Garvey, uh, that wasn't just the only thing. It wasn't physically to destroy that organization. It wasn't just physically to lock up Marcus Garvey, but it was an assault on the philosophy that Marcus Garvey presented about African people being able to be self-governing. Africa for Africans at home and abroad. Uh, here you have an African born in Jamaica, the small island of Jamaica, uh, uh, who comes uh, to, he didn't try to make a Jamaican revolution. He recognized the relationship that uh, oppression and exploitation of our people in Jamaica had to the oppression and exploitation of our people throughout the Americas and the oppression and exploitation of our people in Africa as well. And so this is the movement that Garvey uh, uh, built to address that question. And Garvey also was not this person that has been defamed uh, in so many ways by people who call themselves Garveyites and cultural nationalists who would make him some uh, great prophet, et cetera, and then would take him out of history uh, by making him somebody who just said, uh, made uh, 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 speeches that can be quoted from. But Garvey was a revolutionary. He was an extraordinary anti-imperialist force. And he did not exist in a vacuum. At the same time, Garvey was leading this incredible movement. The, the FBI uh, uh, reported, if you read some of the reports uh, from the FBI, uh, and they are available, uh, and uh, because the FBI integrated itself precisely because they needed somebody black who could infiltrate the movement of Marcus Garvey. And this, these, these records from, uh, from uh, FBI informants were saying things like people who were fighting all over the world they would come and they report to Marcus Garvey. Garvey uh, fought and, and, and led this incredible movement at a time uh, when uh, Sun Yat-sen uh, was, uh, uh, was a leading force for the, 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 the emancipation of the people of China. Uh, when uh, uh, when uh, uh, you had people like uh, Francisco uh, 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 Villa uh, in Mexico uh, uh, and Zapata in Mexico, uh, and you had, uh, you know, other forces who were fighting uh, for against imperialism and trying to be free. Garvey was one of those forces there. So it wasn't just this Garvey, you know, who uh, the, 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 the culturalists like to hold up, who uh, somehow the prophet Marcus Garvey, you know, outside of history. Garvey was involved in an incredibly powerful struggle. At the same time, Garvey was making this struggle. Uh, this was a time where in this first imperialist world war was heating up. The European powers were engaged in, in this fight uh, among themselves. And why were they fighting to redivide the world? This is the time where Europe, Europe uh, where, where Germany and France and England and America was involved in and shaping and uh, uh, destroying, uh, uh, the, uh, uh, contributing to the, to the uh, implosion of the Ottoman Empire in Turkey. And this is where they were all grabbing what now, what is Syria, grabbing what is Lebanon and grabbing what is Palestine. And all of this stuff was going on at the same time Garvey uh, was in existence. It's important to say that because we need to take Garvey. And a hundred years later, it's red, black, and green. We need to take Garvey out of this place that they put him 
uh, so he's untouchable and doesn't require us to live like garbage, just require us to drag him out uh, every August uh, to be able to uh, light candles and say high praises and remember Garvey said Africa for Africans, et cetera, et cetera, without capturing Africa, because Garvey was building all of the instruments of state power. He was helping to shape and define the nation. That's what Garvey was involved in doing. And it took the US government to crush that. And it took the Europeans, the French, the English, all of them worked to crush that so Garvey could not be successful. And then, of course, what we saw was that this movement was being revitalized. Uh, when they crushed the Garvey movement, they crushed the offensive that our struggle for power uh, had assumed. And it put the whole black movement on the defensive. And so this is where you see the so-called civil rights movement. The civil rights movement was an expression of trying to fight to be accepted by the colonizer. As opposed to what Garvey was doing, he was trying to take, uh, build our own freedom, our own country. He said, I looked around the world and I looked for our presidents we didn't have any. I looked for our governments we didn't have any. He said, I'll go out, I will create them, I will make them. That's the difference from saying I wanted to vote for Biden or I was trying to get people to go over Kamala Harris. He, that was different from saying, let's find a way to unite with the imperialist powers. That was different from what Du Bois was saying about put the talented tenth of the very smart black people in charge of the rest of them, boss, uh, for you. Uh, and so when you saw the defeat of Garvey, when they put Garvey in jail, when they put uh, agents in his organization, they helped destroy his organization, when they, when they uh, created dissension uh, in the Universal Negro Improvement Association and the rest of that, when they raised up uh, other forces like W.E. DeBoer uh, and, and others who you've come to know. And many people don't even know the name Marcus Garvey, though he had an organization of 11 million people and members and, and followers. No other organization could say that in the world. Not just African organization, no other organization could say that. That was Chairman Omale Chatella's main address at the 2020 Impedum Convention, entitled 100 Years Later, It's Still Red, Black, and Green. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we're celebrating the birthday of African freedom fighter Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Chairman Amali Chatella spoke on the lessons we can learn from Garvey today. Chairman noted Garvey's vanguard position on the role of African women and how we uphold that. Chairman noted that we in the movement have fought against efforts to define African women as less than African men. We have fought against efforts to, to gay bash and marginalize same gender loving Africans. Chairman Amali Chatella proclaimed this, quote, is an assault on the fact that African people come from a history of matriarchy. What you see when you look in this convention on today, you look at the women leadership that you've just experienced. This is Africans negating the influence and the power of colonialism because Africa is coming into its own, end quote. Chairman continued that, quote, to see women rising up and assuming their rightful place as equal leaders and a part of the process of shaping history and becoming obvious partners in this whole process with African men, the whole African revolution is expressing itself the way Garvey would have had us do, end quote. Let's take a listen to the chairman. And then uh, the, with the growing involvement of masses of working people, the Fannie Lou Hamers and, and uh, uh, the sanitation workers and people who were sharecroppers who 
had to stand up and fight back against this, the growing involvement in political organization, the growing consciousness of this, uh, uh, this is what changed uh, everything and developed into a process that we came to know as the Black Power Movement. God is back. It's Black Power now that we are talking about. We're no longer on the defensive. We've assumed the offensive again. That's what we want, power. And even though the Black petty bourgeoisie, all of them, even the militants that you know today who talk all that talk, uh, they were satisfied with simply being accepted uh, by the system. And Black Power said that we have to have our own system. That was African people rejoining the ranks of humanity that was fighting for control of our own lives. The whole anti-colonial movement that was sweeping the world from Vietnam to Cuba, every place else, that was Africans making that statement. And that was potent. And it was something that was embraced by African people all around the world. It influenced African people all around the world. It was the emergence of a, of a, a growing national consciousness among African people. And then of course the government attacked it. And the government killed uh, uh, Malcolm X and they killed Martin Luther King because of the potential for his being influenced by it because the working, workers were growing closer and closer to Malcolm. They were growing closer to what the emerging Black Panther Party who they had to crush and kill and assassinate people and slander and what have you. They killed the co-founder of the African People's Socialist Party. They uh, arrested people, thousands of us all around the United States. They killed the movement. They killed, they overthrew and then killed Nkrumah. They arrested and then, I'm convinced, killed Robert Mangaliso Sopukwe in South Africa. This was how they moved to destroy our revolutionary project. But in 1972, as I mentioned, the African People's Socialist Party was born. And, and it was born from the whole process of revolutionary struggle that we've been involved in. And in 1981, uh, we passed a resolution to create the African Socialist International. And we declared ourselves as 21st century Garveyites. That's what we declare ourselves to be today. Uh, and somebody who's to complete the Black Revolution of the 60s and the Black revolutionaries of the 60s rested on the back of what, what, what Marcus Garvey had already done. And we've created various funnels through which uh, uh, the struggle of African people can be embraced by all sectors of the African people, so, of the African population globally. We fought against all attempts to divide and split our community. We fought against the nasty attempts that were made by people who uh, would say something about homosexual. You can't you can't, you can't defend Africans if they're homosexuals. You can't have Africans if they're homosexuals involved in the struggle to liberate our people from a united white power. They said we fought this whole notion of backwards notion of women's place being in the kitchen and walking behind men and stupidity like that, which is an assault on the fact that African people uh, come from a history of matriarchy. When what you see in this convention on today, you look at the women leadership that you've just experienced this is Africa negating the influence and the power of colonialism because Africa coming into its own with to see the women assuming the rightful place as leaders and part of the, the process of shaping history uh, and becoming the obvious partners in this whole process uh, with African men. The whole African revolution is expressing itself uh, and, and, and the way Garvey would have had us do and the fact the way Garvey did do. That's why we just celebrated opening up uh, with the poem by Amy Jock Garvey, because women in the Garvey movement played prominent roles, uh, and unlike what they did in the movement that was led by W.E.B. Du Bois. So this is Garveyism in the 21st century, and 
a hundred years later, it's still red, black, and green. It's red, black, and green on 50 foot high flag poles. It's red, black, and green 15 by 25 feet in terms of its size right now. It's red, black, and green. It's growing larger every day as a struggle for the emancipation of the African people and the unification of African nation, and which is, which is fundamental to the destruction of imperialism and the rise of socialism uh, as, a, as, as something that would occur globally uh, throughout the world. A hundred years later, you're building, consolidating the African nation. A hundred years later, red, black, and green, Uhuru. And that was Chairman Amali Chitella's main address at the 2020 MPDM convention entitled, 100 Years Later, It's Still Red, Black, and Green. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we are celebrating the birthday of African freedom fighter, Marcus Messiah Garvey. So, Masamela, you know, the 2020 convention was powerful. I remember that we had originally planned to have the convention in person in New York, but then COVID-19 hit and we had to change our plans a little bit. But we still had a good time and it was still um, a very powerful convention. And there was a great emphasis, I remember, on revolutionary culture work. And I don't know if you want me to, 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 to you know, get into all of this, um, but you know what I remember? <laughs> no, no. What's that? I remember when your daughters and your wife, your wife, Comrade Michelle, opened up day two with their own rendition of Amy Jargavi's This Flag of Mine. Remember that? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was cool. That was cool. Emmy yeah, Jock Garvey was a crucial leader in the struggle. And I'm happy that, you know, these uh, powerful African women, Michelle, Mayasa, and Malika, were able to give that address. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was about to do a little something myself, you know, bless the African nation with my um powerful singing voice, but I figured I'd let somebody else shine that day. But uh, if you don't mind, uh, let's take a listen. Uhuru. All right, ready? This flag of mine by Amy Jacques Garvey. Regardless of what is told of it. Regardless of what is told of it. Here's to this flag of mine. Here's to this flag of mine. The red, black, and green. The red, black, and green. Hopes in its future bright. Hopes in its future bright. Africa has seen. Africa has seen. Here's to the red of it. Here's to the red of it. Great nations shall know of it. Great nations shall know of it. In time to come. In time to come. Red blood shall flow of it. Red blood shall flow of it. Historians shall write of it. Historians shall write of it. Great flag of mine. Great flag of mine. Here's to the black of it. Here's to the black of it. 400 millions back of it. 400 million back of it. Whose destiny depends on it. Whose destiny depends on it. The red, black, and green of it. The red, black, and green of it. Oh, flag of mine. Oh, flag of mine. Here's to the green of it. Here's to the green of it. Young men shall dream of it. Young men shall dream of it. Face shot and shells of it. Face shot and shells of it. Waving so high. Waving so high. Here's to the whole of it. Here's to the whole of it. Colors, grout, and pole of it. Colors, grout, and pole of it. 
Pleased is my soul with it. Pleased is my soul with it. Regardless of what is told of it. Regardless of what is told of it. Thanks God for giving it. Thanks God for giving it. Great flag of mine. Great flag of mine. Great flag of mine. One Africa. One nation. One nation. One Africa. Uhuru. Uhuru. And that was Amy Jacques Garvey's This Flag of Mine, presented by Comrade Michelle Odom and her daughters, Mayasa and Malika. And I admit they might have done it a little better than I would have. I salute them. Speaking of the flag, though, didn't you recently write an article on the links between the Garvey flag and the Palestinian flag? Yeah, yeah, yes, I did. It was titled African National Flag and Palestinian Flag Connect Anti-Colonial Struggles for National Liberation and was printed in the July edition of the Burning Spear newspaper. It was pretty fun, but also an important article to write because I believe it highlights the anti-colonial politics of Garvey and the universal and international significance of Garvey's movement and the red, black, and green flag, as Chairman was just talking about. The red, black, and green African national flag, also known as the RBG flag, is the most visible representation of African national identity and African unity. The RBG flag was adopted as the African national flag by Marcus Garvey and the Universal Negro Improvement Association, as we talked about already, at the first international convention of the Negro peoples of the world in August 1920. So the RBG flag represents our African national identity, but it also represents African internationalism. It represents the vision of a united Africa without colonial borders. It also represents the interconnectedness of anti-colonial struggles around the world, including the Palestinian Arab struggle. And that's kind of what uh, I hoped to convey in that article. Yeah, 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 yeah. The red, black, and green flag, it really is important to me, you know, because it represents a form of contending political power to colonial capitalism. Uh, you know, In the early 20th century, there was a popular minstrel song called Every Race Has a Flag But the Coon. And Garvey was aware of the song, and the song, like all minstrel culture, provoked a multitude of political responses. Groups like the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People and people like W.E.B. Du Bois responded to Minstrel C. with appeals for more racially inclusive empires. But Garvey responded with African independence, self-determination, and building dual and contending institutions. And the RBG flag, the red, black, and green flag, represents that. Many flags representing African identity were created in the early 20th century. Tony Martin, who's the author of Race First, notes that a guy named Bishop Lennox of the African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church in Ohio had created a flag in direct response to the song. Also, Hubert Harrison's Liberty League had also created a tricolor flag. Still, Garvey's flag has lasted the test of time because of the politics that informed it. I would argue that. One thing you noted in the article was that people are aware of the general definition of the flag's colors, right? Red for the bloodshed and our struggle for liberation, black for our people, and green for the land of Africa. In an act of deliberate anti-colonialism and internationalist solidarity, Garvey had at least one time told the white journalists that the red was sympathy for socialists throughout the world, green for Irish liberation, 
and black for African people. And I noticed that the colors of the African national flag are also remarkably similar to the flags of many Arab and Muslim countries. Yeah, yeah, indeed, indeed. That stood out to me as well. That's uh, some of the impetus of my uh, research. You know, Garvey was a really progressive person in terms of his views of religion. Garvey supported Islam. Debates were even made to adopt Islam as the official religion of the Universal Negro Improvement Association. Garvey and the UNIA had close relationships with many Muslim leaders and Muslim organizations. And as we also noted, you know, the Negro War was translated into Arabic. Now, Garvey was a Christian, but he was not a religious zealot. He was not an idealist. Garvey's anti-colonial views of religion extended from an anti-colonial tradition of people such as Edward Wilmot Blyden, George Washington Williams, Paul Bogle, Sam Sharp, Henry McNeil Turner, and others. All of these men identified as Christians and believed in Africa for the Africans. These men believed that God was black, that God wanted Africa to be free, and God wanted Africa to be governed by African people. Now, Blyden coined the term Africa for the Africans. Garvey expanded this into Africa for the Africans at home and abroad. Blyden influenced Garvey a lot. Blyden was from the West Indies, but moved to Liberia. In 1887, Blyden published Christianity, Islam, and the Negro Race, where he professed that Islam was more unifying and more authentically African than Christianity, believe it or not. Eventually, Blyden became more involved with Islam in his later years and continued to promote Islam in his writings. Now, Garvey was deeply influenced by Blyden's views on Islam and published quotations from Christianity, Islam, and the Negro race. See, that's really interesting to me, Matsumela, because the African People's Socialist Party has as a point five on our 14-point platform. I'll read that right here. It says... We want the right to international, political, and economic association with Africans and all other peoples anywhere on the face of the earth. So when I, when I, when, you know, when you speak about Marcus Garvey speaking of the red and the red, black, and green to represent um, African bloodshed, as well as uh, international socialist solidarity, and the green to represent uh, the, you know, the lush resources of uh, of Africa, but also. Irish liberation. I mean, it speaks to even uh, Marcus Garvey's whole uh, internationalist agenda, and it really emphasizes African liberation as the centerpiece of that whole internationalist agenda. So I really appreciate that. So what do you know of the links between the Garvey flag and the Palestine flag? Yeah, yeah, that's that's really important, uh, what we just talked about, uh, because Garvey was an internationalist. In many ways, Garvey's legacy, as Chairman talked about, has been warped uh, by people who even claim to be followers of Garvey. But Garvey was an internationalist with an organization that organized millions of the African working class all around the world. Garvey was influenced by an anti-colonial playwright and journalist named Duse Muhammad Ali. Ali was born in Alexandria, Egypt, to a mother from Sudan and a dad from Egypt. In 1911, uh, Ali had published a political history of Egypt known as In the Land of the Pharaohs. 
1912, Ali began publication of his journal, African Times and Orient Review, of which Garvey actually worked on when he lived in England. And the Land of the Pharaohs was a direct response to U.S. President Theodore Roosevelt's condemnation of Egyptian independence struggles. In the Land of the Pharaohs chronicled British colonialism in Egypt and Sudan, as well as African anti-colonial struggles. One of the anti-colonial movements that Ali wrote about was the Machdis Revolution, or the Machdis War, from 1881 to 1898. The Machdis Revolution, or Machdis War, was a war in opposition to British colonialism and Egyptian neocolonialism, as we could call it, in Sudan, led by the Muslim cleric Muhammad Ahmad. Soldiers in the Machdis army carried multiple flags. One of the flags had a red and blue rectangular border with Arabic script in the middle. But the two other flags of importance have been noted by flag historians. One of the flags was simply a black banner representing Sudanese national identity and by extension, African national identity. Sudan derives from a longer Arabic phrase meaning land of the blacks. Yet, flag historian Mark Sensen of the Flag Research Center suggests the existence of another flag, a horizontal black, red, green, tricolor flag with a white crescent pointing upward and spear overall in the center. There's no clear evidence that this flag directly influenced Garvey, but the similarities are striking enough to lead many people to suggest that Ali could have influenced Garvey's creation of the African national flag. If census findings are true, the red, black, and green in this flag used in Sudan are the earliest examples of anti-colonial struggle in the Arab world, too. The red, black, and green and white displayed in the flags of most Arab countries descends directly from the flag of the Arab revolt, also known as the flag of Hejaz. The Arab revolt was a struggle for Arab unification and independence from the Ottoman Empire during the First Imperialist World War, as Chairman was just talking about. The British had promised their support for a unified Arab state following the defeat of the Ottomans. The British, of course, reneged and carved up the Middle East the way imperialists had just carved up Africa decades earlier. The Palestinian flag most closely resembles the flag of the Arab revolt, and thus does not only underscore the yearn for a liberated Palestine, it can boldly be said that the Palestinian flag also represents the revolutionary demand for the destruction of the colonial borders imposed on Arab people. Now, we might not be able to say conclusively that the African national flag and the flag of the Arab revolt come from the Magdus flag. Yet, without a doubt, we know that they represent similar struggles for national liberation that historically connect the people of the Middle East and the people of Africa. Wow. Wow, yeah, that is profound. You know, so what you're saying is Africans and Palestinians are linked in our struggles for national liberation against European colonial capitalist domination. And this is represented in the similar colors of our flags. It is represented in the late 19th century African Muslim struggle against European colonialism 
in the Sudan and North Africa. I believe that Africans in the 21st century can unite with the cause of Garvey by fighting for a united, borderless Africa governed by the African working class and by struggling to overturn colonial capitalism in all of its manifestations. You are listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we are celebrating the birthday of African freedom fighter, Marcus Maziah Garvey. You know, Dexter, many intellectuals have continued to slander Garvey or bend his ideas to meet theirs. Now, I've gone to a lot of school, but much of what I learned of Garvey, I had to learn on my own. African cultural production has played an important role in this. Yeah, yeah. Part of my family is from the Caribbean, actually. As well, my family in New York have been deeply involved in the Black Power movement since the 1960s. And what's possibly the earliest place that I heard about Garvey was in reggae and rap music. From the Burning Spear, the artist Burning Spear, to Bob Marley, to Peter Tosh, all the way to groups like Dead Prez. African musicians have definitely kept Garvey alive. So you know what? No, no, what's up? Why don't we just go ahead and end this show by listening to some tracks about Garvey? Yeah, yeah, that's what's up. That's what's up. Because one song that I find interesting is Bob Marley's Redemption Song from the 1980 album Uprising. In Redemption Song, Bob Marley sings, Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery, none but ourselves can free our minds. This is taken directly from a speech given by Marcus Garvey in the late 1930s at Menelik Hall in Sydney, Nova Scotia, Canada. Now, in that speech, Marcus Garvey states, we are going to emancipate ourselves from mental slavery because others might free the body. None but ourselves can free the mind. Mind is your only ruler sovereign. The man who is not able to develop and use his mind is bound to be the slave of the other man who uses his mind. So let's take a listen. Merchant ships Minutes after they took I From the bottomless pit But my hand was made strong By the end of the Almighty We forward in this generation Triumphantly won't you help to sing these songs of freedom cause all I ever have redemption songs redemption songs emancipate yourselves from mental slavery none but ourselves can free our mind have no fear for atomic energy 
Cause none of them can stop the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Cause all I ever have Redemption songs Redemption songs Redemption songs Emancipate yourselves from mental slavery None but ourselves can free our mind Oh, have no fear for atomic energy Cause none of them can stop at the time How long shall they kill our prophets While we stand aside and look Yes, some say it's just a part of it We've got to fulfill the book Won't you help to sing These songs of freedom Is all I ever had Redemption songs All I ever had Redemption songs These songs of freedom Songs of freedom That was Bob Marley's Redemption Song. What song stands out to you, Dexter? Why do we now go and listen to another song by Lauryn Hill from an Unplugged album called So Much Things to Say, a classic if I do say so myself. Interestingly, this is actually a cover of the Bob Marley song from his 1977 album Exodus. This rendition by Lauryn Hill was produced in 2002. And the thing about So Much Things to Say is that it upholds the legacy of Marcus Garvey, Paul Bogle, and many others. So let's listen to that real quick. We'll be starting that one again. Yeah. so much things to say right now they've got so much things to say you they've got so much things to say right now they've got so much things to say you I'll never forget to know where 
they crucified Jesus Christ I'll never forget no way How they stole Marcus Garvey for riots I'll never forget no way How they turned their backs on Paul Bogle So don't you forget no way Who you are And where you stand in the struggle They've got so much things to say right now They've got so much things to say They've got so very many things to say right now They've got so much things to say I and I don't come to fight flesh and blood But spiritual wickedness in high and low places And though you find me down, I'll stand firm and give Jah all the thanks and praises. I don't expect to be justified by these laws of man. Though the wicked find me guilty, Jah will prove my innocence. So 
many things, they'll have so many things to say about you, to say about you. And that was Lauren Hill's So Much Things to Say. Oh, 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 long live Marcus Garvey. Long live. You have been listening to the People's War Radio Show, produced by WBPU, Black Power 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. Today, we celebrated the birthday of African freedom fighter Marcus Mosiah Garvey. Our theme song, Colonial Virus, was written and performed by Elika and Goldman. Thanks to the People's War Radio Show's production, research, and promotion team, including Jaja Robinson, Empress Livewire, and the Hips of Ponder. So we say down with the colonial virus. Down with the colonial virus. This has been the People's War Radio Show. Produced by WBPU Black Power Radio at 96.3 FM in St. Petersburg, Florida. WBPU is a project of the African People's Education and Defense Fund. The baddest nonprofit on the planet. Whose mission is to defend the human and civil rights of the African community. And address the grave disparities faced by African people in education, healthcare, and economic development. For more information on the African People's Education and Defense Fund, visit apedf.org. Episodes of the People's War Radio Show are available on the Black Power Talks podcast. For updates and resources to fight the coronavirus or to volunteer with Project Black Onk, visit developmentforafrica.org. Thank you for listening. Colonial virus, mass incarceration, that's colonial virus.